This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? And happy Good, Wally. How are you? I'm great. Happy Easter, my friend, uh, to you and your family. Same to you. And of course, I had happy Easter. Happy Easter to all our listeners. Uh, uh, I know it's been a tough year for a lot of people. Hopefully, you, uh, uh, if uh, uh, you can enjoy the day, uh, count. Uh, hopefully, we can all count our blessings in whichever way we can uh, find them. Uh, certainly, uh, I've got uh, some blessings. I, uh, uh, I'm thankful for, and I'm sure you are as well, Ness. Um, yes, sir. Uh, uh, we've got coming on the show today, Butch Carter, uh, former Raptors coach. We'll be talking some basketball. And as I don't know if you got the opportunity to watch March Madness last night, but uh, I had to stay up Uh-oh. a little late. I had to stay up a little late uh, into the overtime of the Gonzaga UCLA game. But uh, we're they're already talking about it as one of the greatest college basketball games of all time. Uh, get a chance to uh, just stay up for that one, Nez? Yes, I did. That was a big upset. It would have been uh, a big upset. Oh, my would've, God. Yeah, it would have been a huge upset. And uh, we, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get an opportunity to talk to Butch Carter about that. Then we'll uh, move on to other things at this point. Also, later on in the show, something interesting. Uh, got a gentleman by the name of Alex Braverman, uh, a real estate uh, agent down in Florida, but more known for spreading the good word about Russian heritage uh, within uh, within the NHL. He's uh, taken part and sponsor of an event called Russian Heritage Night throughout the NHL, uh, celebrating Russian culture and uh, Russian sports and Russian hockey players. And uh, we'll get an opportunity to talk about him and maybe, uh, maybe we'll ask him a couple of questions about the Summit Series, 1972. We'll get an opportunity to talk about that. Leafs Snez, uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good run out west so far. Uh, Winnipeg Jets, who are on their heels, are a little bit off their heels, a little bit more. Uh, Leafs got a couple of good results and uh, backstopped by the undefeated one, Jack Campbell. Uh, hasn't lost one yet, if I'm not mistaken. Man, he, get... he is eight. No, yeah, eight, per, no. Per... unbelievable, pretty remarkable. Uh, they get the Flames tonight, nine o'clock tonight. Um, let's catch up on all things Leafs before we go to break. Um, you know, Leafs are, I, I wouldn't say they're an up-and-down team. It's pretty tough to classify a team as up-and-down when you're in first place. Um, and, you know, in any season, it's a long season. I think we're heading into the stretch drive. The season was scheduled to end on May the 8th, going a little bit longer now. They had to reschedule some games because of, of COVID and the Vancouver Canucks are in deep, deep trouble out west. I think most of their team has come down with COVID, and uh, half their team, Wally, half their team, incredible, half their, uh, uh, incredible. With I mean, the first, the first uh, 
thing to worry about is, of course, we want to make sure and uh, hopefully the players uh, recover and they don't suffer. Uh, you know, COVID is a nasty disease. Uh, you know, some people uh, some people pass away and, uh, you know, other people suffer long-term effects. So we wish all the Vancouver Canucks and, of course, anybody else for that matter, uh, a speedy recovery. Um, that's probably got the schedule makers down at NHL head office scratching their heads. Uh, how, how you deal with that, um, of course, the, <laughs> the way you deal with it is you've got to postpone some games. Uh, but when you've got half the team down and some of the staff and you know may run through some of the families, that's got to be pretty concerning, uh, both from a from a human uh, perspective and also from the sporting perspective. Nes, how well would will they do the guys coming back after the uh, the uh, quarantine? Is is a wonder to me. I don't think they'll be at full strength. I think they're done. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs now, especially with this happening because it happened to the Raptors, and the Raptors went on a long losing streak. So. And as I don't, I don't know if that's my phone or your phone, uh, Brandon. Uh, I've, I've sort of lost connection with Naz. I don't know if you can hear me. Um, so, uh, Naz, uh, are you still there? I'm back, still I'm with back, me? I'm back. Okay, good. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, it's got to, it's got to have. Um, I mean, uh, you know, the NHL, how they, there's obviously. I mean, I don't know how long the quarantine is going to be. I, Presume it. They have to test positive. Sorry, negative for uh, a certain period of time. I mean, the usual thing is fourteen days. It's, I'm not so sure this is a quarantine situation. It's more so a testing positive situation. I'm not exactly familiar with the rules with that, but I presume you've got to take a whole bunch of tests over a period of time, and you've got to test negative. Uh, so uh, from that perspective. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes out in uh, out in uh, out in Vancouver. Naz, yeah, I think the, I think Montreal and uh, Montreal had it too for a week or so. But they they turned out pretty good when they came back, so yeah. it might work in their favor. But I don't think so. That's a lot of players being uh, down with the virus, right? Yeah, well, certainly we'll monitor that. What it may do uh, to the NHL scheduling wise, there's discussions about. Uh, you know, uh, you know. Obviously, you try to make up the games. You may have to move to a situation where you decide playoffs. If you can't finish your schedule, I can't remember which sport did this. It may have been basketball. I'm not sure. It may have been the NHL. The last go round, uh, you settle things based on on percentage uh, percentage winnings. What your winning percentage is. Uh, yeah, that was the NBA, Wally. That was the NBA. Was that the NBA? I mean, yeah. Ultimately, the you know I. I don't know how many games the Canucks are going to miss here, but they're probably going to miss a handful of them. How you're going to get them all in on a shortened schedule before May the 11th, not exactly sure about that. Um, so, you know, uh, the good boys down at NHL headquarters will certainly have to will have to figure that one out. And got to think that it's going to be pretty difficult for the Canucks to get uh, all their games in. And I, as you say, Naz, depends where they are in the grand scheme of things and whether they have any realistic prospect of making the playoffs if they finish out their finish out their schedule all all we can say is we certainly hope uh all the players recover and recover well and uh, get back on the ice as soon as health permits and hopefully uh their families are safe too it's, i know this is it's getting pretty nasty i was listening to the uh 
to the news just before we went on air, and it's um, you know, you know, we all have to be super vigilant now. Apparently, we've got all these variants running through the population, and Ontario is getting uh, is getting pretty pretty. Uh, for lack of a better term, getting pretty nasty here as well. So we've all we've all got to be super diligent and uh, you know trying trying to do the best we can to distance ourselves, wear our masks, stay at home if at all possible, do all the things that uh, we need to do to try and keep everybody safe. Wally, thank God Ottawa is not going to make the playoffs because Toronto and Montreal have a difficult time advancing against them. <laughs> the Ottawa Senators. Isn't that scary? Six three last night. <laughs> I can't believe this. Uh, they gave uh, gave Montreal a pretty good beatdown. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's the team the Leafs. Unbelievable. <laughs> do the Leafs have? I guess we do. We have a winning record against the Ottawa Senators this year. I think it's I think it's three two and one if I'm not mistaken. But it's not it's not very uh, dominating. That's for sure. And I think yeah. Montreal is well, has a losing record against Ottawa. So yeah. I you don't know. know. It, you know what? It all comes down to goaltending. When your goalie goalie's hot and talking about goaltending, let's talk about a goaltender a little bit closer to home, Jack Campbell. Wow. Yeah. You know what? Uh, what what Campbell? Um, what what he did Friday night was, um, you know, and that's that's what you want your goal t- goaltender to do from time to time. Is uh, you know the, he uh, for, you know guess. The term is he stood on his head. Uh, you know, um, you know he gave the gave the Leafs an opportunity to win a game that they were being outplayed in, and um, that makes a huge difference. This team is third in the league in goals against, and that's because of Jack Campbell. The Leafs are third in goals against. When have you heard that before? Uh, it's well, been a long never. time. <laughs> never. Uh, we get Hutchinson tonight. I, I, I got to presume Hutchinson's going in tonight, um, and he hasn't he hasn't played. He's played well in the games he's been in there. Uh, Freddie's uh, Freddie's still on the injury list. Uh, I've said it. I said it at the beginning of the year before the season started. You want to be successful in today's NHL, especially in this type of a season. Um, you know, it, 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 if you got one hot goalie, that's great. But if you got two good goalies that are playing well, even better. And that may become even more important at playoff time. So, you know, not going to write off Freddie Anderson yet. Uh, Campbell has played remarkable, and that's great. And let's keep it up. And, you know, the longer he can go undefeated, the better for everyone. But I, my sense tells me at some point in time, if the Leafs are going to make a long run uh, through the playoffs, um, they're going to need some valuable contributions from Freddie Anderson as well. What about the Sabres? Two in a row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beat you know, Philadelphia and the Rangers. Yeah, you know, it's but funny. Every, everybody's beating Philly, though. They're, they're in deep trouble. That coach is gone by the end of the year, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, with the NHL, the way it's set up this year with the Northern Division and, and the other division, I haven't had the opportunity to watch too much, uh, too many, too many of the American, uh, a lot of American teams playing. You know, there's some great, you know, great teams playing south of the border that I haven't, I haven't really focused in on yet. I am sure what well, playoff time. I have noticed, I have noticed that uh, the speed, speed of the game is faster in the North Division than it is in the U.S. I've been watching some of the games out of Pittsburgh and Boston and New York and Philly, and uh, the speed of the team. Speed of the Leafs. Nobody keeps up with the Leafs. I should take that back. Maybe Colorado, but 
that's it. And it's going to be uh, interesting to see if they can go all the way. Yeah, it certainly will be. On that note, uh, we're going to go to break. We'll be back from the break. We'll be talking to Butch Carter. Be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised we all have things we should cut back on. For me half-brother Rayul, that's ordering inflatable toys. For others, it's carbs. So Pizzaville made the extra-thin crust pizza. You get the same authentic Italian taste as our regular pizza, but with two-thirds less carbs. Because the last thing Rayul wants is an inflatable waste. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. His only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on EM740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, and on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour this morning, Butch Carter. Good morning, Butch, and happy Easter to you and your family. Happy Easter to you guys, and thanks for having me this morning. It's uh, great to have you, uh, Butch. Uh, they are calling it one of the greatest NCAA games ever. Uh, basketball on the men's side. I've seen some fantastic games on, on the women's side uh, as well. Uh, just to give our listeners, if you missed it, Gonzaga was up against a huge underdog, UCLA Gonzaga's rep earning the reputation or getting the uh, reputation that they are one of the finest NCAA basketball teams in in this generation. They're undefeated. Last time an undefeated team went all the way through was Indiana in 1976, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they were up against a team that barely made it in, the UCLA Bruins. These are not the, not the Jabbar or Bill Walton UCLA Bruins, but they gave Gonzaga everything they could handle last night, Butch. Uh, is it one of the greatest games ever? Well, it's definitely the greatest game ever played during a pandemic. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. 
and hopefully it'll, and hopefully the we'll, we'll, there'll never be another one better though only because I hope we're out of a pandemic and we don't we won't use that measuring stick in the future uh but uh, you watched the game last night I'm sure um remarkable uh remarkable ending Jalen Suggs uh threw one up uh, I don't know how many feet away he was, but he w- he was way out there with a, with less than a second left, and it bounced off the backboard. This was in overtime. Uh, your thoughts on the game? I just thought it was uh, UCLA played uh, offensively efficiently in a manner which they hadn't played all season. I'd watched UCLA uh, go through the ups and downs during the season, and they kind of got it together, but they were never this juggernaut where they could score 90 points. Um, so, you know, I, I hats off to, to the young men at UCLA. Um, the game was elevated because of it being a semifinal, and they elevated what they can do. So they're just shows their mental toughness uh, and the fortitude. I don't think there's a draftable player on UCLA's team. Uh, they played outstanding basketball. Guys you didn't think could make shots were making shots. Um it was just a really well-played game. I thought that Gonzaga, uh, it never should have come down to that. Gonzaga was up five with a minute and something. All they had to do was foul UCLA, make their free throws, and run out the clock. And, you know, these college coaches are so poor uh, under fire in making decisions. Uh, we watched Texas Tech lose a championship to Virginia because they were up three and didn't foul at the end of the game. So, you know, it was a great game. I watched every single minute of it and thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought I was going to ignore it and I had to turn my chair around. Uh, I was out with a bunch of guys. Uh, and, and here, uh, all of our guys had shots. So we were watching, we were watching the game, and uh, we thoroughly enjoyed it. Ness, what is it? was that the big scare for Gonzaga? Are they going to romp over Baylor now? No, Baylor. Baylor shoots the ball as good as anyone. Baylor is as deep. These are two of the deepest, most talented teams that have met in the finals, I'd have to say, in a very long time. Um, the question is, can Gonzaga handle the emotional high that they came off of? Because Baylor you know, puts Houston to sleep really fast. So the Baylor guys are focused. I've got a root for Baylor. Um uh, the young kid, his father played for me when I was a high school coach. Uh, I got a chance to meet him down in Cincinnati last uh, last summer. So I'm going to be rooting for Baylor um, and young Teague and his mom and dad. Um, I think it's going to be a very good game. But you, the issue is at the end of the day, is Gonzaga emotionally, you know, can they get themselves back organized? They don't understand what their destiny is if they finish undefeated. Uh, talking to Butch Carter, Butch, uh, Gonzaga's trying to do something that hasn't been done since 1976. It was the great Indiana, of course, you're an Indiana alumna, alumnus, uh, basketball program. Uh, just a little bit before your time, if I'm not mistaken, it was Scott May and Ken Benson and Quinn Buckner, I yeah, believe. Bobby Wilkerson. Bobby Wilkerson. Uh, Bobby Wilkerson. Yeah. Yeah, the, last, the last college team that went undefeated the entire season, which is kind of hard to believe when you think back uh, over the course of the, all the all the great college teams that have come since then, and not one of them has gone undefeated. Um, 
in today's uh, college uh, men's college basketball, I mean, I look back, you know, when I when I watch the NCAA, when when, the, when I watch the the Final Four, you know, I think back of all the great Final Fours I I watched when I was a kid. Um, you know, in those days it was Lou Alcindor, now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, you had some great teams at North Carolina State with David Thompson. You had the great Indiana teams. You had the Bill Walton UCLA teams. I mean, these these were you know just incredible teams with incredible players. Uh, you even put this Gonzaga team in that in that debate because I you know I watch I watch these games with these college players, and I don't get the sense I don't get the sense that you're you're watching. Uh, elite teams at that level just because I guess a lot of the younger guys have already gone to the NBA and they're not sticking around for four years of university. Where does this Gonzaga team or this Baylor team, for that matter, fit in the mix? Well, I mean, the issue is that, uh, you know, since you watch those great teams in your era, the guys you named, um, right now the size of the NCAA schools has tripled since then. So they were playing in an era where there might have been 110 Division One schools. Um, you know, they were only taking 32 teams for the NCAA tournament. Um, but since 1980, uh, NCAA schools have built $10 billion worth of capital improvements in stadiums and arenas. So I was trying to tell someone, they were explaining to me, you know, that the Indian University job is entirely different than when Bobby Knight took over the job. When Bobby Knight took over the job, there were only two new arenas in in the Big Ten. There was one at Purdue, Mackey, and Assembly Hall. Ohio State played in an old barn. Northwestern played in an old barn. Iowa played in an old barn. And now it's hard to go undefeated because all of these universities are caught up facility-wise, and they're able to recruit better players because they've got better facilities. There is no, there was no Hall of Fame player on the '76 Indiana team. In other words, there was no NBA Hall of Famer. The teams that you're talking about, Walton, Green, those teams were superior teams because they had Hall of Famers that were going to play at the next level, and that's why UCLA dominated. They had so many uh, NBA uh, All Stars, and they had a couple of Hall of Famers. So, I mean. The reality is that Gonzaga doesn't have a Hall of Fame player from a talent standpoint. And and I don't think that any of the Kentucky teams, the Kentucky undefeated Kentucky team lost, uh, they didn't. So they don't have one guy you can go to in five straight possessions and he's either going to get you a basket or a foul. And that's how the game has changed. The, the most dominant athletes, um, have been devalued. They'll take a seven-foot player and tell him he's got to play at 21 feet and make threes. Um, the level of coaching has declined because if you've got a seven-foot player, if you've got a Giannis, and you can't post him up during the whole game, it's not the player's fault. It's the player's lack of player development. That's what's going on around him. So I, I think it's a great opportunity for Gonzaga. Gonzaga's not, you know, the first team that's gotten to this point. Uh, I think they're going to be like the fifth or sixth team that came into the Final Four, and uh, and none of them have made it. You know, they're in charge of their own destiny, but they absolutely got the, the toughest matchup that they could have gotten in the tournament because Baylor's very good. And 
wasn't built at Baylor. is really outstanding. Baylor was a football school, and he converted it to a basketball school really quick. Ness? But the Raptors look like they're going to miss the playoffs, and they uh, could use a uh, lottery pick draft out of the college ranks. Do you see anybody that can make an impact from college to the pros next year? I, I don't. I don't see. You know, let's go. The history of the Raptors is that they wouldn't naturally, regardless of who they drafted, they've got a very good process of putting them in the G League and letting them mature their way into playing NBA games. I totally agree with what they've done with it. They are absolutely the leader in, in developing their young guys through the G League. I don't, you know, I don't see and I haven't seen seen every team. There may be some unique talent, but um, hopefully they have some luck in the draft because this is the unluckiest year for a defending champion uh, in the history of basketball. It's just them having to play in Florida and not being able to enjoy their home court advantage in the home atmosphere, it's just been brutal. This morning I was looking something up on the Raptors, and CBS Sports said that they beat Golden State in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's a, there's a total disconnect on what's really going on, and I know the players feel it. Um, the, 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 uh, the, the history of the Raptors and what they've done from a, a home court um, atmosphere is best in the league, clearly best in class. I've heard numerous NBA people say that everyone's trying to duplicate what the Raptors have done with their 4-1-6. Um, it's, just, it's just really great, but it's depressing for the players. And this time of the year, you'll get young players who want to play for a new contract. The older players are trying to figure out when they can pack and go home. And it's just not a good time. It's not something that they're used to. And I imagine it leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth on what they have to do. They need to be fortunate and get someone that's really good. Uh, they've, they've traded away some talent. Uh, and Siakam really hasn't come around to, to be an all-star that they thought they were paying for. So, you know, we just have to see what's going on. The uh, the Norm Powell move, uh, your thoughts on that, Butch? I, th- I thought they should have moved Norm earlier because in my opinion, Norm is the guy. He's a great guy. But the issue is that you're going to win and beat playoff teams by having the ability to have versatility in defending people. And Norman isn't one that can, he, can, he can't guard a one. Maybe he can guard a two, but he's not going to guard threes that are taller. He's an undersized two guard. And, and he's a nice little player. But I don't believe he is a you know top four team in the East defender, and I just thought it put, you know, the minutes that Norm was playing, yeah, he was scoring the basketball, but it was taking, I believe, possession from OG. They're in, they were in a tough spot. They paid OG. They paid Norm. Neither one of them elevated their game defensively where they could guard two positions, and they don't need both of them. And, uh, you know, I thought they should have moved them earlier. Uh, what happens when you get a player and he starts playing well People forget the other importance that the real benchmark is how does he play against the best teams? How does he defend against the best teams? You know, that's what Kawhi bought to the team, that he could defend three positions if he needed to at any time to get stops. And um, that's the benchmark you have to go back to. It's not what you're doing for me. It's what you're doing against the other teams, which are the best teams. Yes. 
But they're saying Gary Trent Jr. is the better player in the trade. Uh, what do you think of him? And um, uh, what was his father like as a player? Did someone, did someone call you and tell you to ask me that question? So <laughs> Gary, Gary Trent Sr. was on the team when I got hired as interim coach. And so on game day, we had we would bring in a a uh, meal after shoot around, and I wanted to trade Gary Trent within 15 minutes of that first meal. He would not use utensils; he ate with his fingers. All right. So Gary Trent, the Gary Trent that I knew, played in a Mid American Conference. was was basically a bully. And his approach to everything was just being a bully. And, you know, I was glad to see his son had developed a skill set because his son has skill sets that his dad never had. Gary was uh, an undersized power forward, maybe 6'6". Six, six. Um, couldn't do anything with his left hand. Um, but was really, it was strange to be around an individual because it was almost like being, being around a caveman. He, he grunted more than he talked. And uh, his etiquette in the uh, in the dining room was less to, less to be desired. The young the young Gary Trent Jr. He needs to play. Now the issue is he needs to play. And he needs to play against good teams and see how he does against good teams because you can make a trade, you know, all you want. But the real real proof in the pudding is how's he going to perform when he plays against Philadelphia? Has he ever seen Kyrie? And what does he do against Kyrie? You know, those are the things that have to get worked out, and you and you'd like to get them worked out before summer league, because the, the you know again you, you're going to need to play him in summer league to see how he grows and matures, and they've got a lot of pieces that they've got to put together, and again I say it's they're they've been unlucky with with the pandemic and not being able to play at home in Toronto and the Canadian fans. Um, it's a tough process. I'm not sure that Gary Trent Jr. is worth the trade. He'll have to play his way there because he has such a small sample size, it's really hard to evaluate. Uh, Butch, the top teams uh, record-wise in the NBA right now, Phoenix, Utah, uh, the two L.A. teams, Portland, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Um who do you see coming out of that mix and being successful uh, come playoff time? Well, again, in the playoffs, uh, the really good teams will come in your place and win two games, and that makes it very hard to win a playoff series. Utah's. Uh, Conley is playing the best basketball he's played the last probably five or six seasons, and uh, I think he's given them an edge that they didn't have. He's given them quickness and, and basketball IQ. Uh, that they didn't have. I think Utah is a very confident team. Denver, I watched them the other night, and Denver is like a rocket that shot off, and all of a sudden it hits the atmosphere and it just slows down. They, they get off to good starts. They are one of the poorest teams in the third quarter against good teams, and I don't know what Mike Malone is going to have to do, but they need to get that changed because there's no way they can have load management and rest the players that they have. I think they made an outstanding trade to get the young man from Orlando. They add another athlete uh, to their bunch, which they need. 
he should be able to guard two positions. Um, you know, the Lakers, you got to wait and see, you know, how healthy uh, their two stop, top, top all-stars are. And that will have to work itself out. I think it's more hype. I don't know what's going on with the Clippers. Watch them against Dallas. Um, Luka torched them, continues to torch them. Uh, they seem to struggle defending. and um, uh, But there's no telling what they'll do in the playoffs. I, I like Utah. I like Phoenix. But Chris Paul's numbers in the playoffs have always dropped drastically. He's given them the hardcore leadership that they need. Andre Ayton, their uh, number one pick, uh, is playing. I always thought he was a really great player. I first watched him in San Diego as a ninth grader. Um, so I, I think it's going to be tough in the West. It always is tough in the West. But the team that's going to be able to go in and win two games on the opposing team's floor, that's a team historically has always had the advantage. And I'm too far from it to predict that right now. But the West is historically been very good and it's going to be murderers world again this year butch we got to let you go well thank you very much for this we appreciate it uh, really really quickly uh what's your prediction for monday night's game i'm gonna i'm gonna take i'm gonna take baylor um baylor is deep um they shoot the ball very well they have three offensive players on the perimeter uh, their bench has played well and and Coach Drew is back in the state of Indiana where he was born. Uh, I, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take Taylor. I think that, uh, and it's not because I don't want Gonzaga to go undefeated. Uh, I just like the situation where Baylor had an easier semifinal game than Gonzaga, and Gonzaga's really got to get themselves reorganized to get themselves to uh, to win, which they have. They probably have the capability of doing because. They've been very resilient the whole year. On that note, Butch, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, keep well, stay safe, and uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks, Butch. Thank you. Uh, hey, guys. Yes, sir. Man, I did all this studying on hockey in the least. Man, you didn't ask me one least question. I had the next question. Okay, okay. Okay, Butch, we'll extend you a minute and a half. Naz, ask, ask Butch a leap question. What do you think of the Leafs goaltending situation, and is it good enough to win the Stanley Cup, Butch? Well, it's, it's injury, Naz, right? I mean, you know, their best goaltender is, is out. And so, you know, when's, when's he going to be available? And, again, the history of hiding what the true injury is, to say he's going to be out a couple games. So, number two steps up. Uh, you know, does Dubas have to make a trade to make sure he has insurance? Um and he also, the fact that he's got to cover next year what he's going to do with a goalie. So, you know, I mean, that's that's the reality of it. And I wouldn't want to be sitting in, the, in that chair making that decision because those are always tough. Um, they've got young young prospects that they can move. And do you want to give up a prospect for what you believe, you know, when you have a chance to get a run? It is the Toronto Maple Leafs, the greatest brand in the NHL. And so, you know, they've got tough decisions to make. On that note, Butch, we'll make sure we get you back. Uh, we'll get we'll get you back real soon. We'll talk some hockey. I know I know you're a passionate Leafs fan. Th- thanks for this morning, Butch. Much appreciated. Thanks, Butch. Yeah. Butch Carter. Anyways, uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking to Alex Braverman, and we'll be talking about the Russian Heritage Network. We'll be right back. 
It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced the Medium Gourmet Pizza Special. Get a Medium Gourmet Pizza for just $13.99. That's like flying first class when you only paid economy. You're up front, sipping champagne and stretching out in your luxuriously wide berth. Instead of having somebody kick the back of your seat, then the guy in front of you decides to recline his Pizzaville, seat. Pizzaville, stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. He's only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Uh, be chatting on the line with us now, Alex Braverman. Alex is the founder of the Russian Heritage Network. Uh, bringing Russian heritage to NHL venues all over uh, all over the NHL. Uh, Alex, good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks so much, Alex. Uh, you've been in the real estate business in Florida for over 25 years. Um, you uh, a few years back, you uh, made a decision that you wanted to hold some special events in. Uh, during NHL games or in NHL cities, uh, celebrating Russian heritage as it pertains to the Russian culture and, of course, uh, the incredible contributions uh, Russian hockey players have made and are making to the NHL. Tell us all about the Russian uh, Heritage Network and all about the events that you've been doing. I know they've been curtailed somewhat by COVID, but tell us about uh, your thought, how you started it, and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, actually, it started more than a few years ago. Um, of course, uh, growing up in the Soviet Union, I always loved hockey. I didn't have a luxury to play hockey because I was growing in a small town in Moldavia and uh, we didn't have the ice there. Uh, so I play as a normal kid, uh, street hockey. But when uh, we moved to Florida 30 years ago and when my son started playing uh, hockey actively for Junior Panthers organization here in Florida, um, in order to have 
you know, have him uh, better experience for him, I start bringing the teams from uh, youth teams from uh, Russia to the tournaments uh, to South Florida, and it started more than ten years ago, and uh, started from one team and then grow to you know two three teams per year. Uh, normally, would boys would come and uh, I would take few of them to stay in my house so they can interact with my with my son and uh, you know exchange the differences and uh, hopefully you know not become a friends. And uh, after my son uh, went to college, uh, he went to Florida College where uh, they have a team, but they didn't have the ice to play. He decided to quit hockey, and uh, I just couldn't stop myself to continue to do this. And uh, uh, one of the things I organized here in Florida was uh, Russian Heritage Night. And, you know, what started at, with one event in Florida, grow uh, with help of my partner in Canada, uh, Clarence Pollard, uh, to five events the uh, following year. And then uh, last season we had, uh, we were supposed to have 12. But we had 10 uh, all over from uh, L.A. to New York, from Pittsburgh to Florida. And, uh, you know, it's growing. And, uh, you know, people enjoy being at the games with us. And, um, you know, I can tell you more about uh, each team is different. Each uh, city is different because the um, NHL clubs have different requirements. But uh, we're trying to bring... um, uh, folk uh, entertainment to the arena. We're trying to bring the uh, uh, legendary players, if possible, to the game with us. And uh, you know, we unite the fans and around the hockey, and um, it works. You're having these. Uh, I don't know if you've had one in Toronto or if you uh, have approached MLSE. Would you know, certainly love to have one. But you've had them in various cities around the NHL, and uh, tell us a little bit about how these events are held. Uh, do you have do you have uh, events during the intermissions? How do you celebrate it, Russian culture? And uh, tell us, uh, give us an idea of how uh, a typical evening at a at an NHL game, and how you would celebrate the the Russian Heritage Network during the games. Um, as I mentioned, they all different because of the requirements of the teams. We're dealing with uh, clubs instead of uh, a league. I mean, so far the NHL as a league didn't uh, adopt our initiative. We tried to convince them to do that, but um, so each team has different requirements. And uh, for example, in uh, in New York, when we did one with Islanders, what what normally happened? We picked the game where uh, both teams have. Russian players' presence, and uh, uh, we organized the night uh, around this uh, game, uh, you know, regular NHL game. So we bring uh, fans um, to the game, and uh, like I said, in New York, we had um, a key from the team to bring the entertainment uh, during the intermissions. Uh, we had uh, Russian children perform uh, folk dance, folk singing. The same thing happened in uh, Detroit and uh, in uh, L.A. Um, for In Toronto, we, we did have two in uh, Calgary and Toronto two, two years ago. And it's, uh, again, different because Toronto, uh, marked, I mean, the ticket sold a long time in advance, so we didn't have a luxury to bring in a lot of fans. Uh, but we managed to reserve the one of the gondola upstairs, and we had uh, 
more like a network type an event uh, where we had 42 guests, uh, um, primarily uh, Russian-speaking uh, businesses or uh, attorneys, uh, doctors. But we invite a few honor guests like uh, uh, Paul Paski, who's a historian for uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. We invite uh, Richard Bendel, who wrote the book about the uh, 72 series, uh, and uh, also wife of the um, one of the players who died, unfortunately, at the locomotive accident, uh, plane crash. Um, Vera Karolova was with us, and uh, Michael Grabowski, who was at that point in Toronto, and uh, just a few days before uh, our event, our main event, uh, we also had um, um, uh, like a master class for uh, Russian-speaking kids in Toronto, done by uh, Michael Grabowski. Similar things we had in Florida, where uh, Darius Kasparaitis and Alexei Panikarovsky helped us with that. And the one in L.A. was run by uh, Valerie Bure and Vitaly Vishnevsky. Ness, what does Alex Ovechkin mean to the hockey heritage of Russia? Um, you know, as a, one of the best uh, goal scorers in the shell and, uh, you know, an exciting player to watch, uh, he means a lot uh, because... Uh, He's a good example of what uh, Russian player can do, and um, and I believe everyone loves him. And um, you know he's uh, advocating the game. He's uh, been a good ambassador of the game, and uh, you know he went places like China to promote the hockey, and uh, that's all um, we're trying to incorporate in our um, events. Like uh, in Calgary, we had um, German Tito, who used to play for Calgary Flames, uh, came to the our game and um, and interact with friends and uh, take pictures after the event with friends. So you know, every little thing helps, uh, and um, you know, it's it's um, lead us to another initiative which we part of it uh, called Hockey Diplomacy. Um, a year ago, uh, ambassador to Russia, U.S. ambassador to, Ash, to Russia, Mr. Sullivan, uh, was present at the game uh, in the CSK arena where um, Spartak and Dynamo play, and he was uh, uh, dropping the ceremonial pack uh, at this event. And after that, uh, he pronounced the uh, term um, hockey diplomacy, and uh, tell the journalists, uh, you know, the hockey can um, melt the ice and uh, help us uh, build a relationship between countries. And um, and we, you know, pick up on that. And right now we're working on the bringing uh, Russian ambassador to U.S. Uh, for to the game in uh, Washington D.C. Uh, and uh, Mr. Antonov uh, agreed to do that, uh, but because of COVID, of course, it was put on stop. Uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can resume this uh, shortly, and uh, hopefully, we will have this game happen, and uh, Mr. Antonov will be able to drop the park, ceremonial park at the game. Alex, uh, it's difficult to talk about Russian hockey in Canada without talking about 1972. And uh, uh, there was fortunate you mentioned the name Paul Patsko. He had a he had a tremendous event 
a little over a week ago, which you participated in, where he actually interviewed uh, Yakushev, Tretyak, and Mikhailov. And uh, to our listeners, you can find that online uh, on the, at the Hockey Time Machine. But it's interesting, you know, when we talk about Russian hockey in Canada, we think back to 72, and it, it the Summit Series in Canada held the, na- held the nation of Canada spellbound for an entire month, and September 28, 1972, was burned in our memories. What would that series mean for Russians? Just, I'm uh, just interested in their perspective or their historical narrative when it comes to the 1972 Summit Series. It was a big event. Uh, it, it wasn't as big as one in, uh, for Canada because... Um, um, I guess, uh, you know, 72 was uh, reached with different uh, uh, events in sports, like, uh, you know, about the Olympic Games and the unfortunate uh, um, things happened to Israeli teams. It was a big uh, U.S.-Russia uh, basketball uh, controversy. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, Hockey was a big sport in Russia, and it's still big. And uh, of course, uh, you know, expectation uh, before the series was uh, even even the players at the interview recently admitted, uh, you know, before they went to the uh, Mon- Montreal, Toronto, to Canada, uh, they were asked not to lose uh, badly, you know, play with uh, lose with dignity. And uh, after the winning first game in Montreal and after the second game uh, in Toronto, you know, they realized uh, we can compete with professionals, we can be as good as them, and we can beat them. So, uh, you know, they won the city based on the, you know, if you just count Canadian games, and uh, they won the first game in uh, Moscow also, but uh, it's turned around, and uh, thanks to Paul Hendrickson, it's uh, you know his three winning game uh, goals uh, and the last game winning goal uh, in the last seconds of the game, you know, changed the history. But uh, if you would uh, listen to that interview, which you mentioned, um, all of the players were agree in this series it wasn't losers. You know, the hockey won um, after that series. The players, the fans, everybody won because. Uh, Russians adopt some um, uh, principles of the uh, game uh, from Canadian, and Canadian pick up on uh, Russian structure and Russian uh, techniques, and uh, you know, initiated in their uh, future uh, learning and um, practicing. So, you know, everyone were winners. And actually, the hockey diplomacy, I believe, started a long time ago, not uh, by. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Sullivan, but this series was series was the one with example of it. Certainly was. Uh, what did uh, what did what did Russians learn from uh, from Canadians when it came to hockey? In your estimation, uh, that series teach them to play to the end, uh, not uh, you know not uh, rest on the success of uh, first period or second period. It has to be. A game to the end. It's uh, more, um, you know, before it was more like a, a puck possession uh, get type of game, but, uh, you know, they learn uh, how to compete harder and uh, and be more aggressive, I guess, because uh, that was Canadian side of the game. 
Uh, we've been talking to William William Braverman, uh, sorry, Alex Braverman. He's doing some fantastic work uh, with the Russian Heritage Network. He's trying to uh, bring uh, Russian heritage to the uh, to the NHL and to all kinds of different sporting venues, and uh, show uh, trying to always doing the best we can to bridge bridge that cultural divide where we understand uh, people from the, around the world certainly understand Russian culture better, and uh, I think it. Uh, what your work is doing, Alex, uh, certainly makes it uh, makes it a better world. So we applaud you for your efforts, uh, and we continued wish you continued good success, and uh, and uh, hopefully we see you in Toronto real soon. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your stories with us. Thank you very much, and uh, you know, I wish uh, everybody a good Easter, and uh, I hope. Like you said, the COVID will be over soon, and we can continue our uh, what we started. And one day we'll meet in Toronto. Absolutely, Alex. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much for joining us. Nez, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, I want to take the opportunity at this moment to. Uh, uh, we mentioned it last week. Uh, we're doing. A, we've been uh, invited to uh, participate in a in a great event. Uh, we've been invited by the World Parkinson's Program. Uh, to MC their event on Thursday, April 22nd at 7 p.m. on Zoom. Uh, once again, uh, the World Parkinson Program supports uh, all those people suffering from Parkinson's around the world who are living in poverty and can't afford essential medications. So uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic uh, charity. Uh, we're pleased to participate in that, and we ask our listeners, if you want to participate, it's uh, you can check them out online, events at pdprogram.org. PD is in Paul and David program.org. You can register for the event. Everybody is welcome. Um, and as we're going to be MCs on that one, looking forward to it. Yeah, so am I, Wally. Um, certainly looking forward to that one. Uh, last week it was our seventh anniversary, and. Uh, I, uh, I gave a lot of thanks, but there, I want to I want to make up for a couple of uh, uh, important important parts of this program that I uh, we, we you know obviously at the end of the program we're always in a rush and sometimes things get overlooked or forgotten and I think it's important that uh, in our seven years on the air uh, there's certain people that have been tremendously important to that. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors uh, as a full paw on my behalf. Uh, missed it last week. Pizzaville, the good Contardi family, have been so supportive of us. Fantastic people um, have been with us from day one. Uh, always, always there for us. Thank you so much to to the entire family, the Pizzaville family. Uh, of course, uh, uh, good people at Alt Infinity who've uh, supported us. Uh, thanks to my partner Rigabon Carly, we're able to keep doing it. John Amendola. Over at uh, Mintink, uh, the sports card and the and the real estate side of it. Over time, uh, we've had Claudio at Steel's Paint uh, has supported us. I'm sure I'm probably going to miss somebody here, Naz. So <laughs> I may have to apologize again next Sunday. Uh, so to all those people who've supported us uh, uh, over over time, thank you so much, Neil Durning, uh, Kim, uh, Bill Nadeau. The list is endless, and of course. We have to thank our listeners uh, who have been with us day one, supported this program in in numbers that we never would have expected. 
Uh, I've noticed over the course of the last little while, some of the listeners have actually taken the time to send us some notes, um, uh, complimenting on us on the program and uh, pointing out to us some areas where we could improve. We do take the comments seriously. I know uh, some of the listeners have commented we've got to introduce calls back on the show. We will try and do that. It's not that easy to do it uh, when you're doing it remotely, but uh, we'll give that a shot. We're always tight for time. Uh, but certainly we do listen, and we thank you for uh, listening. As I said, in numbers we would never have expected. Naz, we're past our 10 o'clock deadline as usual. As usual, you get the last word. I leave this last word. Alex Ovechkin will be ranked third in the top ten in the NHL all-time when he retires. He'll be third. Uh, We'll have to follow that one up when we have more time. Uh, keep that one, Naz. We'll have that discussion. To all our listeners, all right. uh, have a fantastic week. It's, uh, it's getting nasty out there. Please be safe. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.